want you to think about those words throughout the service. Think about Jesus hanging on that cross. What was happening to him when he said that about the Father, to the Father? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where was he at that point of his life? Throughout this message this morning, I really want to ask you, let God speak to you. Let him speak deeper into your heart. I also want to let you know in our library, which is just down the passage to the right, we have some elders in there that are going to be there to pray with you. If you need to pray or talk to somebody, feel free to go there. I want you to listen carefully to the truth. This is the truth, the Word of God. And all of you should be carrying this with you wherever you go. It comes in so many different sizes. We, we have no excuse not to have a Bible with us. This is your life. This is your future written in here. Scripture says, He stands at the door and knocks. It's up to you to invite him in. He's not going to just open the door and come into your life. It's your choice. It's a big choice. He was tortured. He was beaten. He was nailed. And he was stabbed on that cross for our sins. Do you remember the criminal that was on one side of him and what he said to Jesus? He said to Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. You remember what Jesus' answer was? He says, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Is heaven for real? I took Linda for her birthday to see heaven is for real, the movie. Oh my goodness. That is fantastic. Very well made. Very well acted. But I would love to see some of your reactions to this little boy. The cutest thing I've ever seen. A four-year-old sharing his testimony, his journey. Why is it so hard? I'm going to ask you now because when you go to see it, you're going to... Because I've heard some people read the book. Linda's read the book and my son's too. And when I saw it, I saw it. And, and what this family goes through, the dad and the mom, listening to this little four-year-old popping out stuff he had seen in heaven that there's no ways he could have known. This dad is a pastor and he's grappling, trying to figure this out. Gets to the point of, I preach this stuff. And I'm doubting innocent truth here. Is heaven for real? Do you believe in heaven and hell? Jesus says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Is heaven for real? We've been studying through the book of Luke, and we've gone back at the prophecies in the Old Testament as well. Has God failed in any one of his promises since the beginning of this book? Has his prophecies ever failed, what's been recorded in this book? No, 
And now he's saying, I'm coming back again. Do you know him? Are you ready? Do you actually believe in this cross? The flowers represent new life. Those that nailed that morning was pretty intense listening to that hammer beat these nails in for our sin. He's offering new life, new beginnings. And just listen throughout the scriptures I read to you today. The same word keeps coming up over and over. Believe. It's simple. To just believe. Put your trust in Him. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, it says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So where are you today? It's simple, but yet it seems so complicated for people. And some people make it complicated. He's saying, just believe. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, ev- sorry, believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will die. Sorry, will never die. And then at the end, I had to recheck this this morning to see if I added this in to ask you a question. Do you believe this? When I looked up the scripture again in John chapter 11, verse 26, it says, And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says. So the question here this morning is, do you actually believe in this whole thing we have here? And what's recorded in here in all the Gospels? Do you actually believe this? So... And I ask this over and over because I hear so many people share their testimony to others and others look and go, yeah, right. We don't even believe each other and what God's doing in our lives and the work He's doing. Same as like this film. When He approached His church and said to His church, this is what Colton is saying. You know what? They called a board meeting and they said to Him, you know, we don't want our church to become a circus. Why, why is it so hard to believe in God's power coming through. If you were to die today, where would you go? You need to have made the right choice here this morning. Don't just listen to this again and wait till next Easter to come again, to hear it again. Or wait for Christmas. I've been told since I've been here that's the best time That's when everyone gathers together to come to church. Easter and Christmas. What are you doing the rest of the year? Remember the crucifixion. You can't not take that picture out of your mind. It's serious business. And he's saying, believe in me. And remember what he said on his dying moments. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where did he go at that point? He went where you're going to go if you don't believe in Him. He was separated from His Father. He saw what life is like for those that do not believe in God. It scared Him. He was alone. He was frightened. He saw the horror that awaits people in hell. 
he just could not believe it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I received some news this week via email. And Linda and I had decided while the church was applying for the 501c, we would apply for a different visa called an OPT. And we phoned on Monday to find out where it stood. And Wednesday morning after the phone call on Monday, I get an email saying uh, it has been denied. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the midst of preparing this, that's what I said. It's nothing, nothing comparison to this. But that's what it felt like. All of a sudden, I was alone in that office. Nobody to talk to. I reread it again. Denied. And your letter of denial is in the post, posted Tuesday the 15th. I phoned on the Monday. How could they do that? God, how can you do this now? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? You know, in the midst of this, I decided to phone my dad. I don't get to speak to my dad much, but I Skyped him and got him up on the screen there, and he's looking old and frail, and I shared the news with him. Not expecting much from him, but I was falling into deep sympathy mode. And he was shocked, and as we talked... As I looked at him and I thought, I might not even get to see this man again. And I said to my dad again, if you were to die today, dad, where would you go? And he says to me, you know, I, I'll show you. Hold on a second. He was milling around his desk and he brought out a track that I'd sent him four years ago that I post out. It's called Ticket to Heaven. It's just a track with the gospel on. That's all, to draw him closer to God. But he held this not as a joke. And I thought he was going to wind me up with it again. But he held this thing to his heart and said, I got my ticket. You sent it to me. I was like, oh, my goodness. And he said, I got one for Liz, too. That's his wife. And in the midst of that, I saw that's, that's what he was holding on to. And I said, Dad, you know. And I prayed silently in my head and said, God, help me here with my dad. <clears throat> And in the midst of this trial, the Lord helps me. I say to my dad, you know when you book something, you get a ticket, right? But aren't you supposed to confirm it? You know when you book somewhere and you're going to go somewhere, you've got to confirm it. You've got to make your confirmation with it. Make sure it's all booked and ready, right? And he said, yeah, that's right. So I said, well, that's what God's waiting for. You've got your ticket, but have you confirmed it? Have you said to God, I want to be with you. I want to come to heaven. And he went, oh my goodness. Well, how do you, what, what have I got to do? How do I do this? So I quickly took him to Romans chapter 10. And I said, started leading him through this. And he goes right in the midst of it. I've done that. I've done that. I said, you've confessed with your mouth your sins to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. You know, every time I see you, I do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Because you keep saying, Dad, you need to be saved. Dad, you need to be saved. I said, you've done that? He said, yes. And I just went, grabbed my Bible. Hallelujah. 
And I said, you know what that means? You're going to have eternal life in heaven. He says, yep. And I'm going to be waiting there for you. And I said, I bet you are. You're going to beat me there, that's for sure, looking at you on the screen here. So we had a good chuckle. But right, right there, God just told me to keep your focus and your eyes on me. Don't dig a big pit and bury yourself in sympathy. And, because what have we been seeing right the way through Luke? God is the God of the impossible. Whatever your marriage is going through, whatever your kids are going through, you've got to come and pray. I just prayed in my head. And he broke through all the barriers and the chains and gave me the words to talk to my dad. I couldn't think of that. It reminded me of Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Let me read this to you and think about this. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. This is the rich man. And send Lazarus, which is a poor man, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Where is this man? He's in hell. And do you realize something? He can feel, he can remember. He can see. He's not dead. Is he? Is heaven for real? Man, it's for real. Is hell for real? Absolutely. This is one of my driving verses when I get kind of lazy about sharing the gospel. When I read this years ago, I just thought to myself, I've got to spend eternity... In heaven, I want to have my mind clear. I remember sharing this with my dad years ago as well. I said, Dad, don't spoil my eternity. Because I don't want to be going up there and see you down there. And you say, Son, just, tip, just drop a little bit of water on my tongue. I am burning here. I also don't want to go past people that say, Wayne, you, you knew about this? And you never stopped to even talk to me? To tell me? Well, I was worried about you not liking me anymore. I was worried about that you wouldn't be my friend. Where in the Bible does it say build relationships? Look at Paul. He boldly dived in there into the synagogues and the churches. He shares the gospel. Do you want to pass? Not that you will. But the story's in there. Why? I kept asking God, why, why did you record the story? Other than the fact to make you all... Get up and speak. The problem today is silence. Christians don't speak. Who's seen the movie God's Not Dead? Awesome. So, you all know this saying then. God is good? All the time? Why do you think these films are coming out? One kid, one out of the whole class, 
stands up for what he believes. One. So in this group here, how many are you going to stand up? Thank you, Joe. How many else is going to stand up? Who else is going to stand up for Christ? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you, Joe. You're hired. Thank you. Wow. This is so important. Did you see that? Because we're heading towards a time where we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to stand up. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to jump through the Gospels here for you. Because I remember parts of the story. And it's from that Gospel, that Gospel. And so I'm going through Matthew chapters 27 and 28, Luke 23 and 24. And I want to cover everything with you as we read it. So in Matthew 27 verse 57 it says, When it was evening there came a rich man named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his, in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. They're not going to give up, are they? And said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said that after three days I am to rise again. Pilate said to them, You have a God. Go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the God, they set a seal on the stone. Now the woman, Luke 23 who had come with him out of Galilee, followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. That's how they know where to find him. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes on the Sabbath. They rested according to the commandment. In Matthew 28, it records, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And I love this part. The gods shook for fear of him and became like dead men. These are Roman soldiers, tough, rugged, armed, guarding this tomb here. Standing around, all of a sudden that stone is rolled away and an angel appears and they just stand there. And these women come up and they can't do nothing. Luke 24 says, But then they entered, sorry, and but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek, listen to this, the living one among the dead? The living one among the dead. See, he did die on the cross. And he was taken and he is buried in that tomb. He was buried in the tomb. 
But now, the angel is saying, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is alive. He is not dead. And then it says, he is not here, but he has risen. Matthew 28 Verse 7 says, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now the woman went back to the disciples and told all that had happened. And Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen and wrappings. she played that for me yesterday with her friends and made me cry because I was sitting in the front and when she comes out he's alive isn't that so great do we live like that you know with that man he is alive yes as Christians we're going to be hit with trials and tribulations that's a fact I go through them I've moved to five different countries around the world just believing in this book believing that he is alive he came out of this tomb Angels are there. Big, powerful, rugged soldiers frozen in their boots. He's alive. It's supernatural. It's powerful. He can change your lives. He can save my dad. That's why the candle is lit. It is real. It's as real as she puts it on that face. Did you see her emotions? And she did that. Whew. We went out this door, and all week we're like that. What do you think people are going to do to you? They're going to come and say, can you help me? Please, help me. Nothing can be defeated. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Our marriages, our kids, our life. We've got to stop giving up. We've got to stop quitting. We've got to stop believing the world. I can get a divorce. I can do this. I can do that. No, you can't. Because he is alive, and but he went through that first. And you think you've got problems? My God, my God, why did you forsake me? He went to a place where you do not want to go. He talks about rewards in the Bible. You're going to stand before him at the judgment seat of the throne, before Christ, to receive your rewards. I watched the Awana Awards being given. I wondered if that would be like for the kids when they're up there. This is real. This is so important. And you know, I'm constantly reading through this whole Bible. The Bible has got so much stuff. It's like tracking an animal in the bush in Africa. You're looking for broken leaves, dirt's moved, anything. In the Bible, there's so much to keep your eye out. I found this verse here in John chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. It says, And the handkerchief, the face cloth, that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Folded together. This was wrapped around his head. You know, you're going to spend your life trying to understand everything in there, but God is leaving clues. 
magical clues, incredible clues to see and draw you closer to him, to see the detail. So the disciple who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and he saw and believed. Do you believe this? Do you believe what you're seeing? But more importantly, it's in the word of God. When you read it, do you believe it? Look what it says next. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They did not understand the scripture. Do you understand these scriptures and the importance and weight it carries on your life? This cloth that was folded neatly that was around his head, what does it mean? Looking into it, it says, In Jesus' day, when a carpenter completed a job, he'd wash his hands and his face, dry them on a linen cloth, fold it neatly, and leave it on the top of his work. The cloth was his trademark. Whoever inspected it knew the work was finished. Carpenter, his work is finished. Peter knew instantly that Jesus had risen and his work had finished. That was another little sign for those who knew. What he had done and come and accomplished, it was finished. Science says that infallible proof comes from getting the same results from repeated experiments. Here are five that prove Jesus rose from the dead. Just five for now. Mary Magdalene encountered him. The woman at the grave saw him. The disciples talked with him. The disciples met him. 500 people witnessed him at one time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 10 says, Paul wrote, For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time. And he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, Paul. That's how Paul saw himself. Paul did some damage to the church. He persecuted the church. He was an evil man before Christ got a hold of him. What is troubling you here today? You know, I've met some people and they've said to me, Wayne, you just don't understand what I've done. I can't just do that. What, you just can't just believe in Jesus Christ? That he died on the cross for your sins and that blood was shed? All you have to do is believe. He knows what you've done. You don't have to rationalize, analyze it, and you definitely do not have to explain it to me. Who has seen the movie The Son of God? Not too many. Thank you. In that movie, I love this part, Peter gets in the boat with Jesus and they drift off and the fish, he starts landing these big these fish. And then Peter says to him, says these words, what are we going to do? And look what Jesus says. Jesus answers, change the world. 
What are we going to do as a congregation here? Those that are visiting here too? What are you going to do now that you know all this? Change the world. By staying silent, you can't change the world. You can't impact anyone. You can't help Jesus Christ's pain. Your pain in his heart made him do what he did. He's showing us all these miracles, all these things. He's recorded it for us to read over and over. And you know, every time I read it, I see a new one. To drive you to change the world. Make a change in people's lives. Why did Jesus have to go through such a death? He went through to change the world. Since his death, look what's happened in the world today. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.3 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. In Revelations it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is in the context of the church. But listen to these words to you. I stand at the door and knock. He is not going to open those doors to your life. It's your choice to make this happen. Like my dad Confirm it with God. And then it goes on to says, goes on to say, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is the Spirit of God saying to you in this church this morning? What is the big deal here? John writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. He holds it all together. If I'm going to trust anybody, I'll trust the one that's been through this, done that. Do you trust Jesus? He lived to tell the story. There's no man, no other religion can claim that. He died on that cross, was buried in the tomb, and rose and met with people before he ascended to heaven. You know what gives me courage to face the, the difficulties and trials that we do face in life 
Is God's promises throughout the Bible? Has any prophecy failed? How many of you saw the blood moon the other night? Incredible. Prophecies have never failed. We've looked at those as we're going through Luke. His promises have never failed. Nothing has failed here. Knowing Jesus is alive is the glue that holds me together. He says, don't forsake gathering together as well. When we come together and we share and we share our testimonies and our stories, it helps glue us all together, build our relationship. How about you? What's your glue? What glues you together? Your marriage. You know, everything you face is here. You'll find a chapter, a verse to help you through what you're looking at. When I wrote to my, my mentor, Mac, after I got that email, he emailed me back. Great verses to say, take a look at this. Why are you, why are you allowing your foundations to be attacked? You pick up those verses and you read it, and you're changed. There's power in the Word of God. You see, it's all, it's all about Jesus in this cross, and He is risen. Today, it's about Him being risen. I love all the colors I see on Easter here in America. Purples, yellows, even I put a yellow tie on. It's attractive, it's bright, it's refreshing, but it's about Jesus. It's about Him bringing new life. If you believe in Him, you become a new creature, Scripture says. And you do. You should have seen me before I got here. And then the Scriptures say these beautiful words. Wipe away every tear from your eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any more mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. No wonder we get excited about God. When it, you can't not get through life without being excited about God in your life. Can you let what happened here and here be wasted? Can it be wasted on you today? It's just more news, more knowledge. Another Easter out the door, let's go feast. Or are we going to open our mouths and Express, He is alive. He is risen. You know, today the technology we can get to into everybody's home via Facebook, Twitter, you name it. What do we talk about that is rewarding to God? Are we listening to other people's needs and finding a verse and saying, read this verse? Because the power is in the Word of God. You need to receive Him and to believe in Him this morning. You need to give your life over to Him to confirm your walk with Him. 
Life has got lots of disappointments and trials we have to face. And if you don't have Jesus Christ in the center of your life, you're not going to plow through it. You need him to get through it. The resurrected Christ will go with you. He'll put, if you will put your trust and faith in him, he says, I will never forsake you. What a time to think about this morning to give your life to Christ. Recommit your life to Christ. Renew your walk. Think about coming forward and doing that. Let Him be your Savior. Let Him be your comforter. Let Him answer the questions. You know, when you read in the Old Testament, there Joshua took over from Moses and he was, it says he took counsel from God. And at one time he didn't take counsel from God and he went and did his thing. And people got killed and destroyed. And then when he went to the Lord and said, Oh my goodness, what is going on? Why, why did you let that happen? God said, Did you take counsel with me? You have a thief in your camp. What's wrong in your camp? And Linda was saying this morning, you know, we've learned all the way through our journey. When things God starts doing something different, we don't see him opening the doors. There's something there we're missing. What's the thief in the camp? What have we overlooked that he's waiting for us to see and bring it to him? The word of God is teaching you, is preparing you to be able to think through this. So many people are confused, lonely, discouraged. But God can transform that life in an instant for you. You've got to be willing to make the change. You've got to be willing to be tested because he knows your heart. So you can't just verbally announce this and then think it's all going to be great. He knows your heart. That's why it says if you confess with your mouth and from your heart. One reason God sent his son to the earth was to make sure we would know just how he, God the Father, feels about us. He is moved by your needs if you bring them to him. The Bible teaches us right the way through when they start losing God, in the book of Judges, what happens? When they seek Him with all their heart and they cry out to Him, He sent another leader. You have to stay on the walk with God, discipline. No matter what challenges you face, you are not alone. See, God's love is unique. He loves me, He loves you in a way that we don't know how that love works. It's an unconditional love. So this morning I'm saying, step forward, step up. Confess to the Lord with your mouth your sins. And by faith, believe in Him and invite Him into your life as your Savior. Will you do that now? If you will, the resurrected Christ will come into your life and make you a new person. He promises that. Jesus sees your need right here, right now in this room. Will you pray with me? And just as a reminder, as your heads about, if anybody wants to pray with somebody, our deacons and elders are in the library. They would love to pray with you, comfort you, explain to you.
what God might be nudging you on your heart. But right now, as we just sit here, think about Jesus Christ, the cross, His suffering, and then let your heart just swell with joy and excitement. He did what He said He would do. On the third day, He would rise again. He is our protector. He is our advocate. He is defending us daily. He is risen. He is the living one. He is not dead. God is not dead. If you accept Him, He says He will send His helper. His Holy Spirit will indwell you right now in this room and give you power. Supernatural power. Love that I can't even explain. How He's taught me to love my wife, love my boys. Taught me to love people like I've never loved people before. He's given me eyes to see things that either break my heart, make me cry, or get me excited. You start to see things from Christ's eyes. He's looking at you, looking at Him when you look in the mirror. Now's the time. It's Easter. He did this for you. Will you invite Him into your life now? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Lord, thank You for Your promises. Thank you for the promise of heaven and spending eternity in your presence. Because of the way that Jesus made for us, we do not have to fear death, but look forward to seeing you face to face. May our trust in your promise of heaven be reflected in the way we live our life on earth. Lord, shine through us. Let our eyes be your eyes to see the world in a new way. And that people would look into our eyes and see you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. With great thanks for fulfilling what you said you would do to rise again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.